if you give me one of those, I'd like one of those. I thought I had one, or maybe I do, underneath this paper. I've got like 25 papers on the pulpit. No, I don't have that one. So if I get one of those, that would be great. We're going to take our Bibles tonight to Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. And I have enjoyed our study in the book of Romans. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. I've enjoyed it. And it's been good for me. I, I love going through the book of Mark. I love going through the book of Romans. And I tell you, the past couple of years, my goal, my goals have changed. My prayer is that if the Lord allows me to, I at least want to preach through every book of the Bible once. Now, Ezekiel, I don't know how that one's going to go. And I don't know if I want to save that one till I don't know if I want to save that far down the line, because that could be interesting how that would all go. But I think it's a great thing to take the word of God. And to me, and it might be different for you, it's so much more alive to me just going through the whole book. Because, man, go, starting at the beginning of Romans and Paul laying all this out, and Paul going through as we looked at chapter 7 and we're in there for a while, the fact that, man, the things that I don't want to do are the things that I end up doing. The things that I want to do, I end up not doing those things. We have been given, and we think about, we are, we are supposed to reckon ourselves dead to sin. And so it's a perfect transition to chapter number 8. Because how can we live the Christian life today? How can we get victory today in the Christian life? Through the Holy Spirit. I believe today that one of the topics that is not preached enough in churches, I believe there are two topics, prayer and the Holy Spirit. I remember being a young boy, and I'm still young compared to some in this room, but I remember being a young boy, and I used to remember hearing a lot of preaching on the Holy Spirit. We don't hear a lot about the Holy Spirit anymore. This passage dives into a lot about the Spirit over the next several weeks. And this is a great passage of Scripture that we all need in our lives today. And so as we dive in here tonight, we're going to look at verse number 1 of chapter number 8. What a verse to begin with. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Key words. There's a prepositional phrase in there that is key. In Christ Jesus. Some people tell us that that phrase shouldn't be there. Because some translations or some um, of the manuscripts don't have it. But you've got to understand something. If those words are taken out, then it would come down to the fact of if we walk in the Spirit or not. But salvation is not based on you and me. We've studied the book of Romans enough to know by now that our freedom from sin is found in Jesus Christ. That's what takes place. We need to be in Him. Verse number 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, 
in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Father, we need your help tonight, and I pray as we take the next few minutes and as we look at this passage tonight, that you'd help us tonight apply this to our lives and our hearts and what a precious passage this is tonight. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the Spirit of God. I think sometimes the most misunderstood of the Godhead has to be the Spirit of God. And yet the moment of salvation, he comes to live inside of each and every one of us. I pray that you would guide us tonight. I pray that you would help us. We need you the next few minutes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The kids are fine outside. Try not to pay attention to them and focus in for a few minutes on the message. It's hard to do both. I'm one of those that can only do one thing at a time. So if I hear noise and I'm focusing on that noise, I can't focus on anything else. So what I have to try and do for myself is tune that out, and then they get louder, right, when I say that, right, and try and focus here. But I cannot do both at the same time. But tonight, this passage is important for us, and I want us to dive right in. What is the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? We could go down a long list of things that we would say. But I would say the number one difference between an unsaved person and a saved person is the fact that the Spirit of God lives in the believer. That is the main difference. When we think about that, and as we think, the moment you get saved, the moment you trust and salvation, we know it's believing in Jesus Christ. His death, burial, resurrection, that is the gospel. This last week, I had a young man that I was talking to about the gospel. And he first thing he said, I'm an atheist. I'm like, woo, okay. He said, so I'm going to just explain to you the Bible. He's like, I, I believe, I get that I'm a sinner, and I get there's a penalty for sin, but I don't believe that Jesus died for me. Then I said, sorry, son, I can't help Because that's what salvation is, believing that Jesus died and that he rose again. That's what the gospel is. That is the good news. And so when you get saved, when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, at that moment, the Holy Spirit of God moves inside. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have, all, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. So as we dive in tonight, the moment of salvation, when that happens, we are baptized into, and the Spirit comes in immediately. This is not referring to the baptisms we had this morning, that outward display. This is the fact that the Spirit of God comes to live inside of everyone who believes at that moment. Everyone. We're baptized into one body. Now I know that some people have a problem when that's said, because you think of a universal church idea and on this earth, there is not a universal church, okay? Someday, there will be the universal church. And that day is when we are called up out of this place, and we're with God forever. There will be one body. 
And praise God for that day. And I can't wait for that day. And so as we look here, we're indwelt by the Spirit of God, the moment of salvation. But when He comes in, He does so to help us. He's there to guide us through life. To guide us into all truth. The Bible tells us in John chapter number 14, verse 16 through 18. And I pray the Father... He shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. You see, the world cannot receive the spirit of God. The spirit of God comes into those who trusted Christ. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. When the Spirit of God comes into a life at the moment of salvation, that life is forever changed. That's the essence of becoming a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he, and you see that key words again, in Christ. That's where salvation comes from, in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's in this life of the Spirit that Paul focuses in on chapter number 8. And up till now, Paul's been reminding us that our nature, our natural nature, is that we're sinners. And that as sinners, we're under the wrath of God, correct? He told us that we cannot in our own save ourselves. There is nothing that I can do in and of myself to get myself saved. My goodness never adds up. My religious works never get there. you got to understand, and he's let us know to this point, that it's by grace and by God's grace alone that we can get saved. So after describing the life of sin, the life of religious works, the life lived under the law, he shows us how we all fall short of God's glory. Well, the first three chapters are all about. Then he explains to us how Abraham was justified by faith. We see in chapter number five the Lord's working and what he has done. Chapter six and into chapter seven, we see the struggles we have through life. When sin should not have dominion over us as a believer, but it does. Why? We have flesh. As long as we have flesh, there's always going to be a battle that takes place. And so Paul, to help the believers there in Rome, sets out to help them understand understand the importance of living a spirit-filled life. You see, what we need tonight in Christians today is Christians will follow the leading of the Spirit of God and let God's Spirit lead us day by day. You have a choice every day and sometimes moment by moment. Are you going to follow the leading of the Spirit or are you going to follow the flesh? They both are at war. The Spirit is greater than the flesh. As greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. Why do we struggle a lot of times? Because it depends on who we yield ourselves to. And that's so important. But as we look here tonight, this whole chapter, I believe one of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible 
is Romans chapter 8. And you'll see later on all that I talk about as we get close to closing out this chapter. And there's verses that we know from this book that get quoted often. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And then a lot of people know those last few verses. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I could probably quote you half of this book tonight. This is a great chapter of Romans. And we're going to dive in, but it's all about experiencing the new life that we get in the Spirit of God. In these four verses, Paul describes to us about the deliverance of the Spirit life. He tells us that we've been delivered from three elements of influence of sin in our lives. And as we think about those, that's what I want to talk about tonight. Number one, we'll dive right in. We see we're delivered from the sentence of sin. We're delivered from the sentence of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. We see letter A as we look at this, we see a promise made. This verse reminds us that when we get saved and those who are saved, we are saved from the wrath of God. We are saved from that judgment that's going to be coming. No longer are we lost sinners living under his condemnation and doomed to hell. That's been done away with. We think about John 3, verse number 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But look at this. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Those without Christ tonight, the wrath of God abides on them at this moment. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, and we see it in that verse, there is no, the wrath of God does not abide on you as a believer tonight. There is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We think about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, it talks about, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The Bible tells us in Psalm 9, 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. When we come to Jesus by faith, his wrath is taken off of us. That's what John 5.25 talks about. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. What is the wrath of God? The wrath of God is that penalty for sin. What is sin deserved? death Jesus Christ took the wrath of God on him in our place that's why as a believer being in Jesus Christ our penalty has been paid by Jesus 
But when you're not in Jesus Christ, God's wrath is still on you, and death and hell will be cast into a lake of fire forever. That's the second death. That is judgment. That is what is going to take place. And tonight as a believer, and praise God for what the Lord has done in our lives, but as a believer and being a saved child of God tonight, there is no condemnation tonight. No, the wrath of God is not on you tonight. Praise God for that. We see a promise. There is no condemnation. This isn't in my notes, but I'm just going to add this real quick. And I'm running out of time already. This stuff's so good, but I'm running out of time. So I shouldn't even add this, but I'm going to add this in there. Don't be the Christian, though, that lives their life and like, well, there's no judgment on me. I can live and do as I please. There's something called the judgment seat of Christ that every Christian is going to stand before the Lord. And everything you do will be tried by fire. What was your motive behind it? And only what lasts through there will be what you're rewarded for to give to the Lord. I think there could be many people that are very sad at the judgment seat of Christ. You notice he doesn't wipe all tears away till after the second death, after the judgment that's done. That's in there on purpose that way. There, I think there could be many people that really feel bad when they stand before the Lord in that day. And that's all I'm going to say about that. We are free from the judgment of hell. And praise God for that. But our works will be tried. And then our rewards to cast at his feet. We sh and we could talk more about that tonight, but I already said I'm running out of time. So we see we're delivered from the sentence of sin. We see the promise. Letter B, we see a place. And you notice those words, I mentioned it already. In Christ Jesus. Jesus is the one who makes all the difference between us being judged and us not being judged. You can be in a church and die lost. You can be a good neighbor and die lost. You could be lots of different things. But you got to understand something. The only place to be, to be safe, is in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 7, in verse number 25, Wherefore is able also to save them to the uttermost that come by God unto him, or by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. John 10, 28, And I give unto them eternal life, that they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. 1 Peter 1, verse number 5, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Jesus is the only refuge for the soul of man. You see, there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That's very important. And then we also see letter C, and for sake of time, I'm not going to go deep into this, but we see a proof here. And as I mentioned before, there are some people that tell us that last phrase, in Christ Jesus, shouldn't be added because not all the manuscripts say it. I don't care if all the manuscripts say it or not, okay? I'm just going to leave that one there. Because you can read the first seven chapters we've gone through, and the Bible's very clear. The only way to escape judgment is in Jesus Christ. That's pure, plain, simple. I can read other books of the Bible, and the Bible agrees everywhere. The only way to escape that is to believe on Jesus Christ. 
So I don't care what a manuscript says and what it doesn't. I believe that that's right where it should be, and I have no doubt about it in my mind. Now, you got to understand, some people see that as a conditional statement. In other words, we face no condemnation only so long as we walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. That's not, that's not how it works, because that would be based on my works. Do we always walk in the spirit? No. Do we walk in the flesh sometimes? Yes. And sometimes we walk in the flesh more than we walk in the spirit. What this is, this is not a conditional statement. This is a statement of fact. There is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Settled, done, period, nothing else to add to it. We see number one tonight, we're delivered from the sentence of sin. Number two, we're delivered from the slavery of sin. Verse number two, the Bible tells us here, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. We're delivered from the slavery of sin. We see letter A, we see the law of the sin life. Tonight, let's be honest, the lost sinner is under the control of three masters. The flesh, the world, and Satan. They are in bondage. Any person who has never trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior is in bondage tonight and does not control their own life. They don't see it. They don't get it. But you and I being a saved child of God tonight, we get it. I get it now. As we look at this, and as we think about things, think about some of the wicked things that people do in this world. They're in bondage to sin. And in all honesty, I don't expect much out of this world. I don't know why some people do. You know, in all honesty, we look around, and I'm just, I'm just going to throw this out there, and you can think whatever you want and everything else. I have yet to hear from our governor any reason to believe that he's a saved man. I pray for his salvation every single day. Every day. I pray for our political leaders for their salvation. You know what? We, you want to talk about changing, changing course on some things? I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, whatever the case may be. You become a new creature in Jesus Christ, and things can change. That's why when we hear some of the things that he stands for, marriage equality, abortion, I don't expect anything else from him. He's in bondage. But this is what gets me. How can a Christian fall into that same trap? Because we have the Spirit of God. We are, we are free from that bondage. We don't have to be entangled with this world's garbage today. We don't have to live under sin anymore. We don't have to let the devil rule and reign. And as we look at this, we see the law of the sin life. And as we think about it in this world, they're in bondage. But we see letter B, the law of the spirit life. When Jesus comes in, the Bible says here, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. See, when he comes in, he changes everything. Now in him and by the power of his spirit, we are given the ability to stand 
against the wiles of the devil. We're able to stand in the evil day. We're delivered from that bondage and allowed to live a new life in Jesus Christ. And that's what we've learned through chapter number six. We, are, we should reckon sin dead, right? And you got those verses written right there for you to see. Romans 6, verse 6 and 7, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. And verse 11 through 14, likewise reckoning yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your member as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Truth, but one that few believe that we've actually been delivered from sin. We are not in bondage to it anymore. You don't have to live in bondage to it. But we do. Because the flesh, it all comes down to who do we yield ourselves to? The Spirit will guide us into all truth and guide us the right way. But the flesh will not. An unbeliever has no choice but to follow the flesh because they have nothing else. A child of God has a choice who we yield ourselves to. Do we yield ourselves to the Spirit that's trying to guide us the right way? Or do we yield ourselves to the flesh? Shame on us, shame on me, to have the Spirit of God living inside of me and to act like an unsaved person most of the time when I have a choice. And we look at this world and look at how bad they are. That's how they are. They are dead in their trespasses and sins. And yet I mess up all the time and I've been made alive and I have a choice think on that just a little bit we see number one tonight that we've been delivered from the sentence of sin number two we've been delivered from the slavery of sin and number three we're delivered from the sickness of sin verse three and four says for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh god sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemns sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We see as we talk about delivered from the sickness of sin, we see letter A, the weakness of the law. The Bible makes it clear that every person who has not trusted in Jesus Christ is sick. In fact, they're terminally, terminally ill. Way worse than COVID is to be a lost person. That's a Bible fact. I'll just, uh, should I put in this plug right here? Yeah, I'm going to put it in. I wish Christians would get as excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ as politicians are about vaccines. You have the answer for the greatest sickness in all the world. 
and it's 100% effective every single time. There's no breakthrough cases that still go to hell when you get saved with the gospel. I don't care where you stand on the vaccine thing. You figure it out for yourself, and you do what God leads you to do. But my main point is, all you hear from politicians today, you need the vaccine, you need the vaccine, you need the vaccine. When's the last time I've heard a Christian say, hey, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, you need the gospel, you need the gospel. I wish we could get busy taking the gospel to the lost because they are dying and literally going to hell. There are more people that died and went to hell today than that got COVID today in this world. And we need to do something about it. I said it. There you go. Verse 3 makes it clear that where the law failed, Christ prevails. The law could not make a man righteous. In fact, all the law could really do is just point out how sinful we are. The law is like a mirror. If I go look in a mirror and I've got food on my face, the mirror shows me there's food on my face, but that mirror doesn't come off the wall and clean my face for me. All it does is show me. It would, it would be nice if a mirror did that, right? Just go in there and the mirror comes and there you go, Brian. Got that spot cleared off your face for you. That's not how it works. The mirror just says, hey, you got a spot on your face. You need to do something about it. That's how the law works. That's what the law does. But Jesus, on the other hand, was born in a human body that he might die for sin. And he provides the cure for all sin. So the Bible talks about in Isaiah 53 Verse number five, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes were healed. He took care of the sickness. He made a way for it all to work out. And all those who trust him by faith are forever delivered from that spiritual sickness. So we see letter A, the weakness of the law, letter B, and lastly tonight, we see the work of the Lord. And verse number 4 moves on to tell us that when we are in Jesus Christ, that is when we are saved, the whole righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us. Think about that for a minute. According to the Word of God, when a lost sinner trusts Jesus Christ as Savior, that lost sinner is justified in his sight. We talked about that a few minutes ago, didn't we? That's what Romans 5.1 is all about. That's not Romans 5.1. Romans 5.1, that's, uh, that was some, the Isaiah again. But Romans 5.1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What this is saying is that people like you and me People who are far from perfect. And if you ever think that you're perfect, go look in the mirror. You're not, okay? And I'm not. We, you, some, and some of you, if you even had a thought like, I'm pretty good, you just sinned right there with pride in your heart, just right then. But this is the thing you got to realize. I sin multiple times each and every day. But in God's eyes, I'm declared righteous because of what Christ did. Not by any works that I ever do, but by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and by the work of the Spirit of God in our hearts. In Jesus, we are made exactly what pleases God. I hear Christians sometimes, I'm doing my best to please God. You can't! I don't under... 
You can never please God. You're never good enough. But he's good enough. And if you're in him, he's pleased with you.